My name's Buffalo Bill and you're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance FM. That's right, you are listening to The Bike Show here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston. Jen Kerrison is away this week. She's recovering from some surgery she's been having, but sounds like she's all right. I want to start this week's show by asking you a question. What is the furthest you've ever ridden on your bike? I mean, the longest distance you've ever ridden your bicycle in one go, riding against other people or riding against the clock, riding without stopping, or maybe just a short stop for some food or a bit of a rest. 100 kilometres? 200, perhaps. Maybe even the length of a stage of the Tour de France, if you're one of the thousands of people who's ridden in the Etape du Tour, the annual one-day race for amateurs that follows the same course as the pros do. So how would you think about riding a bit further, say twice the distance of the Etape du Tour, 500 kilometres? And then if I asked you to carry on for another 100 kilometres, making a total of 600 kilometres or about 375 miles? And then... After that 600k, what would you think about turning around and riding right the way back to where you'd started, doing the whole ride again, but in reverse? Well, that's one way of describing the oldest race in cycling. From Paris to Brest at the far western tip of Brittany and back again to Paris. It's a race which has held every four years and 2011 was one of those years. The race was first held back in 1891, the decade of the second global bicycle boom. The first boom had been in the 1870s when it was all about high wheelers or penny farthings, very unfamiliar machines to today's cyclists. But by the 1890s, the bicycle's basic design had evolved to what it is now, more or less. Two equal-sized wheels, a diamond-shaped frame, pedals and a chain to drive the rear wheel to move the bike forward and handlebars to steer the front wheel. Rubber tyres filled with air to cushion the ride. It's true that free wheels and variable gears would come later but this was, in essence, the birth of today's bicycle. These days, to cycle even a moderate distance between two towns is really to invite the curiosity of passers-by. What? You're riding all the way to Brighton. Why would you want to do that? Is it for charity? But in the 1890s, bicycles were the fastest vehicles on the planet, with the exception of the latest fastest steam trains, but they were confined to their rails. Mile a Minute Murphy would wow the crowds by riding at 60 miles an hour around the track at Madison Square Gardens, way faster than any horse. In 1891... If you wanted to get from Paris to Brest and back again in the shortest possible time, you would travel by bicycle. You would. It would be the fastest way to go. As a result, the bicycle was an object of wonder and the race was an instant hit with spectators, a test equally of man and machine. At the turn of the century, bicycle racing was often about riding very long distances like these. 
Stages of the first Tour de France were in excess of 350 kilometres. Riders were expected to be self-sufficient and required to be so. Paris-Brest and back was a special race, held only once a decade and was contested by the top pros right up until the 1950s, when the interest in these long rides was fading in favour of shorter one-day races and the big multi-day races like the Tour de France and the Giro d'Italia. Coverage by live radio and television may have played a part in that change. Why would you want to watch a 50-hour race when you could probably get just as much excitement condensed into a four-hour race? Not to mention the long nighttime stints of an overnight race when it would be very hard to see what was happening. The last time the professionals raced from Paris to Brest and back was in 1951. Paris-Brest est retour. 1182 kilomètres d'une seule traite. Une aventure qui n'est au coin des routes que tous les 10 ans. Depuis les 500e kilomètres, Chapatte s'est échappé et vire en tête à Brest avec 13 minutes d'avance sur le peloton qui se ravitaille même en maillot. Since that time, the race has been contested by amateurs and a growing band of ultra-long-distance cyclists, randonneurs. A time limit of 90 hours applies, and any rider falling behind schedule is forced to retire. It is perhaps the greatest of all tests for an amateur cyclist, and anyone who completes the ride can rightly claim to take their place alongside the pros who race over the cobbles of northern France and Belgium or across the high mountains of the Alps and the Pyrenees, as one of the ultimate hard men or hard women of cycling. This year, Kieran Yates, a regular contributor to the bike show, rode his second Paris-Brest-Paris. He managed somehow to find space in his saddlebag for a little digital audio recorder and has made this documentary that tells the story of his ride. Paris-Brest est retour, l'année 2011. Deux jours, de nuit sur les 1200 km, respecter le code de la route, ça c'est très important. Ce n'est pas une compétition, c'est un brevet de randonneur. Même si c'est le plus grand brevet des randonneurs, même si vous vous êtes lancé un défi de faire un bon temps et on vous souhaite de faire le meilleur temps possible. So there I was again, at the start of Paris-Brest Paris, with little to do but to swelter in the baking heat, checking out the hundreds of other riders who had come from all over the world to make the pilgrimage from Paris to Brest and back again. We shuffled around the running track of a sports stadium in the Parisian suburb of Saint Quentin, where we were herded from one pen to another until we arrived at the start line. There we waited anxiously for the countdown that would send us on our way through the woods and fields of the department of Evelyn and on to the Atlantic coast. sur les chemins à bicyclette nous étions quelques bons copains il y avait Fernand, il y avait Firmin il y avait Francis et Sébastien 
Et puis Paulette On était tous amoureux d'elle On se sentait pousser les ailes À bicyclette It's about uh, 11 o'clock at night Maybe a little bit later And I'm in Mortain au Perche uh, A little hilltop market town um, But 140 kilometers west of the start and it's been a beautiful evening very hot to start off with i've drunk so much water thankfully there have been families sat at the side of the road with bottles of water and hose pipes filling up water bottles we've cycled through the sunset watching the sun set in front of us and every little village that we've passed through There have been families out on their doorsteps uh, just wishing us all the best for the route ahead. I was running out of steam about 10 kilometres before we reached Mortaino Perch. Um, I just just couldn't keep up with the people in front of me. I I think I've just got too much stuff on my bike this year. A little bit unfit as well and suffering a little bit. I stopped for 10 minutes, had something to eat, and uh, that sorted me out, and I'm about to continue on my way. Prendre furtivement sa main, oublier un peu les copains, la bicyclette. On se disait, c'est pour demain, j'oserai, j'oserai. I've been on the road for 12 hours now. It's been a hard night. I felt I've had no energy going up the hills. I found it really hard. I had to go take it up my own pace. I think. Um, I think. Um, Yeah, I've had to take it at my own pace. Stopped briefly for breakfast at around about four o'clock in the morning. And it was hard work getting back on the bike after that. Uh, My backside was not feeling good. And uh, just at this very minute, I'm having a battle with sleep. Um, My body's telling me I've got to go to sleep my head is telling me uh, I don't have to. It's, uh, it's very hard. It's uh, nearly quarter to seven now in the evening and uh, I climbed a short hill a while ago. It's the first hill that we've climbed that hasn't had a little crowd at the top uh, applauding us as we've reached the summit. Um, I left Ludiac about uh, 20 minutes ago. My plan is to get to Carhe, which is another 80 kilometers or so away and then I'll have uh, 95 kilometers to get to Brest tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be well inside the time limits which was my main objective 
and then I'll start heading back. Um, and talking about heading back a few moments ago, uh, as we were climbing this little hill here, the vedettes, the stars, the celebrities of Paris Press Paris were heading back towards Ludiac. So they've covered somewhere in the region of 780 kilometers, I think. I've snatched another half an hour of sleep or so when I was at the control. Uh, apart from that, it's been a hot day, tiring day, starting to get various aches and pains, um, tendons in my right legs beginning to stiffen up. Uh, oh, I'm just looking forward to having a shower and getting a little bit of sleep. It was very much a mixed night last night. Um, I teamed up with a friend, Tom, and we cycled together from Ludiac uh, to Carhe. Um, we made good time and uh, managed to avoid the storms. Um, but unfortunately, whilst Tom managed to uh, get into the dormitory, I went about things in the wrong way and decided I wanted to shower before getting uh, to bed but there was a queue to get to the shower so I decided to go for something to eat and by the time I got back they were saying there would be no beds available until one o'clock um, so I ended up uh, sleeping like many many other people who were arriving through the night on the floor of the refectory um, just looking around at the moment there's bodies lying everywhere wrapped in space blankets snoring away and uh, a little bit chaotic um, people slumped over tables uh, a few people who were getting ready to leave to do the next stretch of their journeys who were already tucking into breakfast it's um, half three in the morning I managed to get a couple of hours sleep and I'm hoping that's going to be enough for me uh, to see me through to tomorrow night and hopefully I'll get a slightly better night's sleep tomorrow. of the only uh, serious climb on Paris Press Paris. It's uh, more of a long drag. And as I say, it's dark. There's uh, a little bit of a mist and drizzle uh, for the, about the last half hour or so. It's been like I've been chasing um, 
dying embers of a rain-dampened fire. I think there's just about another kilometre, two kilometres to go to the uh, top of the climb and then we've got a nice steady descent, 55 kilometres I think, down into Brest. I'm a steady rolling man And I roll both night and day I'm a steady rolling man And I roll both night and day I ain't got no sweet woman To be rolling this away When things are going well, or even just okay, it's easy to ignore how quickly a ride can become derailed. My own Paris-Brest Paris nearly came undone as we approached the control at Brest. I wasn't paying enough attention to the road ahead, took a level crossing too fast and fell hard. A Danish rider stopped to help, handing me bits of broken light from the road. I checked over my bike. There was no damage apart from a twisted brake lever, which was easy enough to straighten out. Then I checked over myself. I'd fallen heavily on my left side. I could already feel the bruising developing on my hip and sense my elbow was bleeding under my shirt sleeve. When I tried to raise my arm to take off my jersey, I couldn't. The pain in my shoulder was too much. Slightly dazed and a little shocked, I struggled up the last bit of hill to the control and found the first aid station. A Canadian rider was being treated for injuries similar to my own was asked to rotate his arm about the shoulder. When he couldn't do it, he was told to go to the hospital to get it looked at properly. I tried the same exercise for myself and barely managed it. The first aider's assistant tended to my elbow. I made a point of not drawing attention to my shoulder, telling myself I'd ridden the last kilometre to the control so it couldn't be too bad. Once I was patched up, I idled around the control for about another 40 minutes. Eventually, I gathered myself together and felt good enough to carry on. I ain't got no sweet woman to be rolling this away. Don't try to give your sweet woman everything she wanted one time. Just come up a little bit of a draggy climb. You can hear the cockerel crow in the background, um, which is an indication that dawn is just about to break. I can see a trail of white light coming up the valley, heads bobbing up and down as they uh, reach the top of this climb. Uh, wow, it's been a good night. I made it to the secret control, which was uh, 40 kilometres on from Ludiac, and uh, it was nice and warm in there, and uh, after a cup of coffee, the caffeine wasn't working, and I collapsed on one of the nice, comfortable judo mats they had there, and got a couple of hours sleep. During the night we were passing through 
lots of little villages and on every well-maintained bit of grass there were bicycles and bodies spread out on the grass. Uh, it looked as though some random serial killer had been out on a loose, um, wantonly slaying cyclists and um, laying their bodies in a kind of ritual manner at the side of the road. Uh, occasionally they were covered um, with bin liners or a bit of matting, uh, a silver survival blanket, as though some generous member of the public had wanted to hide the bodies from the view of the other passing cyclists. Well, you can hear the creaking of the pedals, the slow whirring of the chain as um, these cyclists reach the top of this hill. silhouette and the little red light on his helmet as he walks up the hill uh, obviously very tired by now uh, likewise myself um, it's been a long long day I've snatched uh, small quantities of sleep here and there um, I've been dithering all day long about whether or not I should uh, aim to get to Paris before daylight or uh, just sleep for a little while in Drew, which is the final control and then make my way to Paris early in the, early in the morning finishing just before the midday time limit uh, I'll decide when I get to Drew it's actually quite a beautiful evening I'm just looking up at the stars now and uh, it's a clear sky and a beautiful starlit night. Um, I'll just have to see how I progress. Um, it's been fantastic going through all the villages today. There was a fantastic welcome in um, Villain. Okay, 
on your bicycle. Bonjour. Bonjour, ça va? Oui. <laughs> well, it's about 8.30 Thursday morning and I left um, Drew at 6.30ish uh, after a couple of hours sleep or kind of sleep uh, in the dormitory um, and made good progress this morning. Um, there's just another 30 or so kilometers to do. Uh, beautiful morning in the forest of Rambouillet. Um, sun's just coming up. I feel absolutely exhausted. My body aches all over. Um, but in a little less than an hour and a half, all this will be over. And then you arrive back at St. Quentin. There are no prizes, no awards, only a token for a free beer and the opportunity to while away a little time with fellow finishers discussing the pain and the folly of it all. And then the bubble bursts and you realise you've spent the last four days in an alien, surreal world where you, the cyclist, and your machine, the bicycle, have been the centre of attention. If it wasn't for your fellow travellers, the occasional newspaper or magazine report, and your own slow-to-heel body, it would be hard to believe you'd been there at all. That was Kieran Yates riding his Paris-Brest Paris. And many congratulations to Kieran. It sounded like it was a very tough ride, particularly with that fall. So well done. Chapeau. That's about it for The Bike Show this week. We will be returning to the subject of Paris Brest Paris next week. If you are thinking about getting yourself in a fit state to ride in 2015, the next time the Rondonnet is held, you will want to tune in because we will be talking to several people who finished the ride this time and I'm sure they'll have interesting insights and tips for how to get ready. 
It just remains to say thanks for listening and be sure to turn out, if you're a listener in London, be sure to turn out for the London cycling campaign Flash Ride on Blackfriars Bridge. It's the third Flash Ride and it's this Wednesday at 5.45 in the evening. If you've been listening to the show for the last few months, you will know that Transport for London is planning a scandalous reorganisation of the roads on Blackfriars Bridge to essentially turn the bridge into an urban motorway, completely neglecting the needs of people on bikes and people walking. We need to make our voices heard. The last two flash rides were brilliant, completely filled up the bridge with with more than a thousand cyclists, I would say. So we need even more this time to make sure the mayor and the people who work for the mayor know that what they have proposed will not do. An alternative scheme has been proposed by the London Cycling Campaign. You can check it out on their website. It's really good. It caters for the needs of cyclists and it would be the obvious thing to do in any other city but London. But London's government seems to be stuck in the past as far as cycling is concerned and just need to be told that they need to get with the programme. So 5.45 Wednesday on Blackfriars Bridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Kieran for such a great report. Tune in again next week. One Life Left is up next. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.